crying right here at Colts camp. First day, they had to go inside because of the rain this morning. They don't like to get out there in a, a bunch of uh, a bunch of muck. Guys don't get great work. They've got a perfect facility indoors at Grand Park. You've got three full-length football fields. And so they got out there today, and, and we got to see kind of our first peek at what this team's going to look like. And for my money, it looked really good. I enjoyed watching. I enjoyed watching Matt Ryan. We got to see him during OTAs, right? And during OTAs, we saw what a good technician he is and how accurate he is. But that was even more, that was magnified today. I, I thought when they ran play action, he was so good in play action and executed the fakes at such a high level. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Peyton Manning. I, I haven't seen an Indianapolis Colts quarterback in a long time execute play action in the way Matt Ryan did. Now, early on, he threw a pick. He threw it, and Nick Cross got the pick. That's good news and bad news, right? When you talk about what goes on at camp, other than the two joint practices that are going to be held between the Colts and the Lions prior to the Colts and the Lions playing in a preseason game, what you wind up with is, is kind of Colt-on-Colt football. And so you don't know whether it's a really good play by the defense or a really good play by the offense. In this case, I think it was a really good play from Nick Cross, who is really fast and is a guy who is going to play meaningful snaps at the safety spot, if not get the start at the safety spot, come the regular season opener in, in Houston. I thought he looked really good. I thought Stephon Gilmore looked good in the limited time he was on the field. I, I think Yannick Ngakwe looks small. And that's not necessarily bad, but what he kind of, the image he evokes is that of Robert Mathis. He looks like a Robert Mathis guy, and I saw him over-pursue uh, over runs a couple of times. And so that reminded me of Robert Mathis, too. We saw Freeney do that as well, and both those guys, uh, Hall of Famers, at the defensive end position. So that's not a, not a rip on Ngakwe. He's paid to get to the quarterback, not stop the run. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just what goes on. Let's say this is the call-in app, by the way. This is, we do Colts call-in. We haven't done it for a little bit, about four weeks, because there was, there was not much new to talk about. Now there's a lot of new stuff to talk about. If you want to talk, uh, activate yourself, identify yourself as a caller, as Paul has, and uh, we'll talk to Paul. And when, we, uh, when you bring, we bring you on board, make sure and unmute yourself, as Paul has just done. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing good, Ken. Thanks for all the great uh, um, updates on your YouTube uh, channel. And uh, it's exciting. Here we are. Um, what did you see much of the tight ends today and how do they look as far as their chemistry with, uh, Matt Ryan? Cause he's, he's a big tight end guy. And I think those guys are going to be key to, uh, spreading the offense around and keeping defenses honest. I'll tell you, they are huge. Jelani Woods and Andrew Ogletree are mammoth. Mo Ali Cox is a big guy, 6'5". He played basketball at Virginia Commonwealth. We know all of that. He was a really good rebounder. These two guys are behemoths, and they're athletic behemoths. And I saw Ogletree targeted a couple of times, especially during the warm-up period as Matt Ryan was getting loose. 
Uh, Ogletree looks good. Woods looks good. What they're going to look like against somebody else's defense, I have no idea. But I really enjoyed watching those guys and, and think that I, I think in the aggregate, this offense and this group of receivers can be productive. I know we're a little bit thin at wide receiver. If you look at the difference between, let's say, the Colts and the Buccaneers, who just signed Julio Jones yesterday, you, you say, well, you got Pittman and a bunch of guys because you don't know whether Paris Campbell is going to be able to be healthy or whether uh, Alec Pierce is going to be healthy or productive as a rookie. Those tight ends are good. Naheem Hines is going to be good. The, in the aggregate, yes. I think you've got a chance to create an offensive kind of a a group of weapons, Jonathan Taylor too, obviously, that Matt yeah. Ryan is really going to be able to utilize at a high level. What do you think? Yeah. Well, what I'm hoping is uh, because Matt Ryan is not <clears throat> a quarterback that locks in on one receiver and utilizes the whole toolbox, that um, we really can, I, in a lot of ways, because of the kind of quarterback he is, we don't need you know Chris Ballard talked about every... that yesterday uh yeah. Paul he, Chris Ballard said yesterday that this is going to be much more like the Philip Rivers led offense of 2020 than another iteration of the Colts offense in that there's going to be a a a spread uh the offense is going to be spread among a lot of receivers and he called back to the offense that Frank Reich ran at Philadelphia and said that he believed that no Philadelphia receiver had more than 800 yards that year, but both Wentz and Foles were really, really productive within that offense. So I think you're right. Thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate it. Good, uh, good call. So there's Paul. Uh, let's see. Um, Brad joins us. Brad, uh, make sure and unmute yourself, and off we go. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? I couldn't be better. Good day today. It's hot. We're at camp. We're where camp would be. We're standing here all by ourselves out on where the fans are going to be and the Colts are going to be hopefully tomorrow. Uh, no action going on here, but it's hotter than balls out here, for God's sake. Uh, hope where you are, it's nice and cool. No, uh, no, I'm in southern Indiana, so it's about the same. Oof, sweltering. <laughs> so, what do you think of the Colts this year? Uh, I'm optimistic, uh, and that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, sort of, um, every year, uh, every league front office comes out of the draft, killing it. They've got their guys. Everything's great. Uh, obviously, they like them, or they wouldn't have picked them. And then it takes a year or three to figure out if that was correct. Uh, this year feels different, though. This year. Seems like uh, I don't know if it's because I liked all the picks when they made them or uh, my unbridled optimism, but this year seems different. I'm I'm for some reason I'm uh, I'm very optimistic on the the incoming class and what they can do to help this team. I'm not I'm not saying they're going to come out and be superstars right away, but uh, I think we got contributors right away. Uh, does it seem that way from your perspective? You know, I think they need all three of the first picks to come out and, and be meaningful contributors. And so that's Alec Pierce, who was taken 53rd, Johnny Woods, who was taken 73rd, and then Bernard Ryman, who was taken 77th out of Central Michigan, a guy who is kind of new to the position of left tackle. But what I've heard from, from people who have a lot of experience in professional football is that Matt Pryor is a placeholder, and they really need Bernard Ryman 
to be that starting left tackle type guy. You've got, and I'll tell you this about Pierce, watching Pierce today, and I watched him closely. Number one, Reggie Wayne, he didn't read in the riot act, but there was something that Alec Pierce did that Reggie didn't like, and Reggie let him know it. And and I like that. I like hands-on coaching, especially the first day of training camp where you kind of set the tone for the rest of the camp. Other than that, he just looked really smooth, and he looks like he's put on some weight. His arms were a little bit bigger. I like Alec Pierce a lot. He's smooth. And and so every, I worked with Rick Venturi when we were both in, in St. Louis, and so I'll pick Rick's brain from time to time about a variety of things. And, and he always talks about Alec Pierce reminding him of Jordy Nelson, guy who played – uh, I think most lately for the Raiders, but prior to that, he was a, a favorite target of Aaron Rodgers. And I swear, as you watched uh, Alec Pierce today move around with and without the ball, if you didn't think of Jordy Nelson, you, you weren't paying attention. He looked really good. I think all three of those guys, to your point, really need to hit. And then I think Nick Cross does too, because they're very thin at the safety position. So I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, well, that's that's good to hear that things look that way from there. Uh, you obviously have a uh, a plum position being able to be there and see it all and have the time and means to do so. Uh, very envious of that, by the way. Congratulations on that. And uh, kudos <laughs> to you for, for making all that happen over your life. Um, oh, that's, uh, that's my pleasure. And uh, also, like Paul, appreciate what you do with the with the twice daily uh youtube updates uh uh see them all even if i'm not always there to watch them live and and uh i really appreciate you uh sharing the insight and and finger quotes insider information that you're able to do uh to, to able to share with us thank you very much well i i really appreciate that thank you very much brad uh and what brad's talking about on the youtube channel every morning we do breakfast with kent then we do Inside Indiana Sports Now, uh, and that's all kinds of fun, too. We, uh, I just love talking about sports, man. I got to tell you the truth. It is, uh, it is endless fun to be able to talk about the Indianapolis Colts and what they do and how they do it and whether I think that they're going to be any good or not very good. And uh, so that's, that's a, a tremendous amount of fun for me. I love sports. And, and the reason I love sports is the way it kind of informs our perspective on a whole bunch of things. You know what I mean? It's, I think sports are important as a microcosm of life. And, and one of the things that Matt Ryan said and Frank Reich said during their, uh, you know, Brandon Faison said the same thing in their media uh, availabilities right after the workout today. And those will be posted, by the way, on my YouTube channel. They said that that's what this is. It's a microcosm of life. If you work hard, you are going to achieve. And you need to do that from day one. And Matt Ryan feels like it's important to set the tone for this entire team as they embark on this this journey of, you know, we got about 46 days until the until the opener against the Houston Texans down in Houston. And they need to get really good. And they need to get disciplined. The rookies do about how they do their business, because if they don't, they're going to find out on September 11th that they didn't, and they're going to regret not being able to do it. And it's Matt Ryan's perspective as a leader that he needs to, in his words, 
occasionally put his foot in some people's asses. And, and I believe that he's going to be able to do that. And he's got the respect of the team at a level where they know he's going to be able to do that. And he's going to be eager to do that. You need a leader to hold people accountable. And Matt Ryan is going to do that on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know if you have that at this point, but I, I, at least to Matt Ryan's reckoning, he is going to be that guy for Indianapolis Colt in training camp and beyond. He's a guy who's going to make certain that it's supposed to go and that people are focused day in. Kind of a, what's kind of, I'm not going to call it a make or break season for Frank Reich or, or Chris Ballard, but I don't think Jim Irsay's happy. And, and when Jim Irsay's happy, he gets impatient. And when he gets impatient, he lets people know it. And they need to adjust their behavior to accommodate for it and make sure that the behavior that he's impatient about, the results that he's impatient about, are not, uh, are not repeated. Because if they are, he ain't going to be happy about that either. And, and that's kind of where this team sits. They need to get better. And they need to come out of the box fighting. They need to find a way in the first two weeks of the season to go 2-0. and For the first time since 2009, 2-0 for the first time since 1977. 1977, the last time the, uh, the Colts, they were the Baltimore Colts then, for goodness sake. That's how long ago it was. The last time that they uh, started 2-0 and with, with the two first games being on the road. So we'll see if they're able to do it. I am, uh, I'm telling you, there, there are ways, you know, you're going to feel really good about, about this team. And there are ways you're not going to feel real good about it. But I love the way they look at this point, at this point and watching what they do, uh, what they, what, what they find, found a way to look like is a really fast, really precise team. I like the, the the energy on the defensive side of the ball, and that's got a lot to do with Gus Bradley. I like the schematics. I like the way the Colts offense kind of appears to sort of mesh. And and at this point, they've got no reason to to really mesh, do they? You know, they've got a new quarterback. They have uh, Alec Pierce as a starting level wide receiver who's a rookie. They got a lot of new parts. And and they've got some like Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Michael Pittman, and four-fifths, really all five of the guys on the offensive line return, uh, two starters gone. Matt Pryor has come in as the left tackle, at least he will early. And then at right guard, you got Danny Pinter. This is a team with new pieces, and, and they seem to be jibing together really, really well. Uh, if, if you want to talk, you want to share your thoughts about the Colts, you, know, you want to ask questions, please go ahead and activate yourself as a caller. And when I call on you, um, make sure and mute yourself, and, and we'll be able to talk, and you'll be able to ask questions, and uh, I'll be able to answer them. Or I'll ask questions, and you can answer them, for goodness sake. We're an equal opportunity show. Um, but what we saw today, Yannick Ngakwe 
smallish, right? But that's his job. His job's to get to the quarterback. You don't need to be a real, real big guy to be able to get to the quarterback. Um, the uh, Jonathan Taylor looked shifty, looked really, really good. He made people miss. I know this is like nobody's going to hit each other first day of camp. Nobody's got pads on. It's surprising. But with Jonathan, um, he made guys miss. They weren't trying to hit him, but they were trying to kind of stymie him, and they weren't able to do it. Let's uh, let's go to Brad. Um, let's see. There we go. Brad, how you doing this afternoon? Make sure and unmute yourself. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, we spoke a while ago. I hate to hog all the airtime, but if no one else is going to do it, I have another question. No worries. Um, in the secondary, uh, how is the, the battle going with uh, Isaiah Rogers and Brandon Faceon? How, how do you see that playing out? You know, I didn't see a lot of Isaiah Rogers out there today. I saw a lot of Faceon, and Faceon looked better to me than I thought he was going to look. He's a guy, he, he was acquired basically on the say-so of Gus Bradley and Ron Miles. Uh, Gus Bradley, the new defensive coordinator, Ron Miles, the new secondary coach, they went out and got him. They have worked with him at both, both with the Chargers and then uh, with the Raiders last year, and they like what he does. I, I thought Faison looked good. And I'll tell you one thing, too. I don't know that we've talked about it, but Julian Blackman – looks really good for a guy who is what maybe nine months removed from tearing his achilles and and having it surgically repaired he he looked good in otas but he looked great today he adjusted to a ball that matt ryan threw where he's backpedaling he turned his back then turned his back the other way jumped and batted the ball loose he looked like an elite level athlete and he, if he is nine months removed from that surgery, he's just nine months removed from that surgery. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate it, as always. Very, very nice of you. And uh, we'll go to uh, Andrew. Andrew, how you doing this afternoon? Make sure and unmute yourself. Hi, Kent. Uh, I just wanted to know if you saw any areas of concern we're not expecting today. Uh, did I see any areas of concern? I didn't. You know, I, I, what what I was most keyed in on was Matt Ryan. I did notice this. This is kind of interesting. Um, Nick Foles, if you watch Matt Ryan as a starting quarterback, and then Nick Foles coming in and running with the twos, there are things that Matt Ryan does really, really well as a quarterback that Nick Foles doesn't do so well. The... The precision with which Matt Ryan executes a play-action pass against Nick Foles, there is, um, I'm not going to say a stark difference, but an obvious difference between how those two guys go about their business. Um, Matt Ryan, to me, looked like a guy who can play at an elite level yet, and, and I know that there are football experts and defensive coordinators around the league who think that Matt Ryan has lost his fastball. I don't see it. Like, he, he, he hadn't lost his fastball like Phillip Rivers didn't have a fastball, although Phillip Rivers really never had a fastball. It, it, Matt Ryan can sling it a little bit still and put the ball where he wants, when he wants, and, and that's the key. You know, it's all about timing. It's all about being decisive. And let's face it, Carson Wentz was neither. 
He was neither precise nor decisive, and as many plays as not, he couldn't figure out the right read or the right placement or timing for the football. And that's what fans in Washington are going to figure out, just like we did last year. And it's just kind of a testimony to Carson's talent. His ability to send plays and occasionally the ball where it's supposed to go, either to Michael Pittman or, like in Arizona, to a guy like Desmond Patman. You know, you, you had a guy who is capable of elite-level plays and then also capable of really not being able to figure it out. Matt Ryan is not capable of those elite-level plays. He can't get out and scramble and, and get yards with his feet at the level that Carson Wentz could. But what he can do is manage an offense. And what we've seen with this offense under Frank Reich in 2018 and 2020 with Andrew Locke and with Phillip Rivers, you saw an offense that needed a manager. It does not need like the, you know, crazy athletic stylings of, let's say, Lamar Jackson. That's just not what, that's not how this thing goes. What it needs is a really, really smart guy who can put the ball on time and on target where it's supposed to go and when. And that's exactly uh, what Matt Ryan is. All right, let's, uh, I can't see the name. Uh, uh, make sure, take yourself off mute, and, and let's go. Let's talk. Hey, Jake. Hey, Kent, it's Jake. Uh, just curious, um, how did Naeem Hines look today, whether he was out wide or starting in the backfield? Uh, which guy? Naeem Hines. Oh, Naeem. Naeem looked really, really good. And as always, I really enjoyed talking to him. And, and one thing that Naeem was doing today that I really liked was he was getting guys jacked a little bit. Where, where he was really bringing some energy to the sideline, talking guys up, dancing a little bit. When he got the football, he was explosive. And when we talked to him yesterday, you were just reminded two things. Number one, that Naheem Hines is a really good dude, a team-first guy who wants this thing to operate well. He also has personal goals. He wants to have a, set a personal standard for receptions this year, and his personal standard in 18 and 20, 63 receptions in both of those years in the two years where the Colts had a quarterback who knew what the hell he was doing. And and you just, you know, it, it's one of the things we missed during COVID is that we didn't get a chance to spend time in the locker room and, and talk to the guys either online or offline. There was a lot of Zoom going on. There wasn't a lot of face-to-face -face stuff. And when Naheem Hines was here in, in like 18 and 19, along with Jordan Wilkins, those two guys – they had their lockers next to each other. You can always stop there and, and have a good talk and ask him about stuff. And um, and what a good dude Naheem Hines is. Uh, you know, it, I just like the guy. And there are so many guys in that locker room where that's true. But he looked explosive, good hands. What he said and what he said yesterday, and then he, he didn't backtrack off this, but he did sort of correct himself to not have it be a direct – um, sort of unpleasant uh, comment about Carson Wentz. But he said, you know, with a lot of quarterbacks, 
what he's had to have them figure out eventually was that he's fast enough that they need to lead him farther or he's got to stop, make the catch, and then get up to speed again. And he said with Matt Ryan, there's been none of that. Every single throw has been right where Naheem wanted it to be able to go get yak. And one of the things that you look at, and and here's how statistics can lie a little bit, and, and I think it's so interesting, that yak for the Colts last year was not good, yards after the catch. This is not a good yak team. And so people think that the Colts don't have good yards after the catch getters at receiver. But what is important to understand as well is that the quarterback is responsible in large part for Yak because he's got to get the ball two guys in stride in an area where they've got open kind of open territory to go and get more yards. And that was not what Carson Wentz did. If if plays break down and you got to hit a receiver, you know, five, six seconds after the snap, what was designed to get that receiver open has broken down, and what you're looking to do is just force the ball downfield into a place where they're virtually stopped. And last year, that's what happened. This year, it's going to be a different deal entirely, where Matt Ryan is going to get the ball to guys when they're open in a place where they can run with it, and that's really going to help Pittman. It's going to help Hines. It's going to help Taylor. Uh, It may help Pierce. We don't know kind of where he's going to be yet, and I hope it really doesn't help Uh, Paris Campbell, because what I'd like Paris Campbell to do is catch a ball and then burrow like Marvin Harrison used to. Like Marvin never took a direct hit, ever, ever, ever. Paris Campbell is competitive at the level where he goes and hunts it. He'll hunt contact, and that's how you get hurt in the NFL. What he's got to learn to do is take his foot off the accelerator and, and find a way to get down without getting hurt, and if he can do that, If you don't expose your fourth receiver to a whole lot of snaps with this offense, if you don't have to go four deep and get into like Patman or Strawn or Kute, although I got to tell you, Kute looked really, really fast today. If you don't do that, you got a real chance to to have this offense click along very, very nicely with Taylor Hines, right, with Pittman, uh, Pierce, and uh, Campbell. And then you've got Mo Ali Cox, and you've got uh, Jelani, and and you got Ogletree. You know, with Woods and Ogletree and Granson, like you got a lot of weapons out there. But you can't you can't lose any of them if that makes any sense. Uh, Jake, you still there? Unmute yourself yeah. for a second. Yeah. What What do you think? What are your thoughts moving forward this season? Um, I'm a lot more optimistic than I was last year at this point uh well last year i was kind of sitting there with Wentz, just kind of cautiously optimistic that it would work out and at some points it worked very well and then other points it just didn't um but this year i'm a lot more optimistic just because i feel like ryan just has a lot more control over the offense a lot more command and just he knows what's going to happen before every play he can see the defense he he's read pretty much every defense at this point that a defense can throw at him and I feel like it's just going to move a lot smoother I mean last year 
or not last year, I think it was either with Philip Rivers or Luck. At one point, we, like, nine games in a row or something like that, we scored on the opening drive of the game. And I kind of expect the same thing with River or with Ryan. You know, it, it, you bring up a really good point, and that it, for me, and it's more visceral, really, and kind of ethereal than it is something you can point at and say, "Here's why." Although, you know, I, I I think that guys have done that and done it at a kind of a high level in being a critical uh, kind of voice where it comes to Carson Wentz's play, but it just never felt right. Even when it worked right, it just never felt right. And any time Jonathan Taylor didn't get the ball, I didn't feel good about the offense. And if you go back to Peyton Manning, like when Peyton had on a minute 30 to work with at the end of the first half and had 80 yards to go, you knew they were about 60% likely to get it into the end zone and 40% likely to kick a field goal. There was no way you weren't going to come away with points. And I never felt that kind of that kind of juju with Carson Wentz ever. And and that had nothing to do with anything, not about his, you know, vaccine status or, or any of that stuff that kind of clouds the issue of who he is as a quarterback. It, it was just like it, it didn't sit right. You know what I mean? Like your stomach just didn't feel right watching him manage that offense when they had to go throw first and run second. Yeah, He's trying to figure out how to explain it, but yeah, you can make a million dollars in the bank. But it just didn't, never felt right. And I don't really know how else to put it. It just, it never really knew what to expect. Jake, we kind of lost you. I apologize. Um, it kind of got a little bit muddy there. But uh, Colts, day one, it, just to recap things a little bit. Yeah, I thought they looked really, really good. I thought they looked energetic. I thought that, you know, if a camp starts with low energy, I think you got a really tough time because it's going to be like four weeks of, of diminishing and diminishing and diminishing the energy. Here, I thought they were bouncy. I thought they looked really good. And I don't know if I mentioned him yet, but one of the guys who looked especially bouncy was Dial Odangbo. He looked really bouncy and really good, and maybe he's going to wind up being the guy that the Colts thought that they, that they were going to get eventually when they took him 54th overall out of Vanderbilt, and him coming off that torn Achilles, where they had him with a first-round grade before the Achilles tear and felt like getting him at 54 was a bargain given what he was going to become kind of down the road, and I think we've hit down the road. So if they've got if they've got Quiddy Pay and Daya Odangbo on one side, Yannick Ngakwe on the other side, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart. I think that's a really, really serviceable defensive line that could kind of evolve toward excellence. I think at the linebacker spot with Darius Leonard and uh, Bobby O'Karake. Oh, Darius. Did I call him Karius? Darius, I'm going to find myself 25 cents. Uh, I mean Shaquille Leonard. If you've got Shaquille Leonard, Bobby O'Karake, and the times that Zaire Franklin plays, I think that's cool. That's a good group of linebackers. And then the defensive backs, if you can keep Blackman healthy and cross plays with Rodney McLeod getting in there once in a while, and then Stephon Gilmore, Kenny Moore, and uh, either Brandon Faison or Isaiah Rogers, and I prefer Rogers to tell you the truth, I feel really good about that defense. And the offense kind of speaks for itself as, as long as you've got a left tackle you feel good about. 
and it kind of can, can you feel comfortable about Matt Pryor, or do you it kind of hustle through this? And and if you're uh, Chris Strasser, get Bernard Ryman ready, 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 so that on September 11th, he is the guy standing between the right defensive end for the Texans and Matt Ryan, because you're going to have to protect Matt Ryan to be able to win football games. If you look at him statistically, and rarely do you find a statistic with this kind of stark difference, but when the Falcons allowed Ryan to be sacked 40 or more times, they did it six times. They did it five times. All five times, the Falcons failed to make the playoffs. They also failed to make the playoffs once when he wasn't sacked 40 times. But that is a really good bellwether for what this offense is going to be and the kind of success that the Indianapolis Colts can have this season. They have got to have Matt Ryan upright and functional in order for this thing to work. All right, let's take one more call. Andrew, how you doing? Go ahead and unmute yourself, and uh, off we'll go. How you doing this afternoon, Andrew? There I'm you are. Well. How about yourself, Kent? I'm great. I love it. I, I love camp. I love coming out and learning about football. Well, I got two qu- questions for you. One, I'm curious how this year compared to years past, and I also want to know how the young tight ends looked. They uh, they look really big. I got to tell you what, uh, Johnny Woods and Andrew Ogletree are behemoths. Like, I, they're going to be teams that have a serious deficiency in the height department and how they are going to defend those two guys. Now, can they block? That's a that's a completely different question, and we're not going to find that out probably before we get to the regular season. Um, the other question: they just look faster and more energetic to me than last year or other years. I think that this looks real. I was kind of like, and and it's hard to like recall back and see with precision exactly what they looked like. But when I was there today, I was like, damn, these guys are fast. Look at these guys. Look at Cross. He's really fast. Look at Blackman. He's really fast. Look at Taylor. Look at Hines. Look at Pittman. Like, there was just an energy to the workout today that was palpable, and I thought it was cool. Thank you for the call, Andrew. I appreciate it. And thanks to everybody who took time to listen and call. Uh, We're going to do this once a week. We will do this next Tuesday, and uh, we'll do it from here at Grand Park. And and hopefully the weather cooperates. We get to see them a bunch outside over the next few days. There's nothing going on out here Friday. No on-field activity. There's also a day off on Sunday. So they go tomorrow, they go Saturday, they go Monday, they go Tuesday. We'll be back with another call-in show on Tuesday. I cannot wait to talk to you then. Uh, Until then, catch me on the YouTube channel, Breakfast with Kent, and, of course, uh, Inside Indiana Sports Now, which will actually air later this afternoon. We'll also have... Stay cool.